This is Gospel Words. This is our Gospel Growth happening here today. Uh, in this Gospel Growth, uh, we're seeking to find biblical definitions for words. So see how God's Word talks about these different words and define them biblically. But we're also seeking to push past that, not just to know what these words mean, but also to move towards biblical implications. So if these words are true, how then should we live? Um, uh, today's actually a really cool day for me because my parents are here, uh, Robbie and Shannon. They're in the front here. Um, so they moved to upstate New York when I was two. So I'm kind of a New York kid. Uh, we moved from the south. And they planted a church in New York and just celebrated 22 years there? 23 years at that church in New York. So um, yeah, just uh, I was actually reading Second Timothy this week. And um, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, he remembers Timothy's sincere faith, but he said that his faith uh, came from his mother and grandmother. Um, and when I think about that text, I just think about my parents. Um, and, you know, I think, like, if my life could just be a continuation of what my parents have done in their faith and not, like, a reinvention, then that would be a successful life for me. So just thankful for my parents. I'm um, just happy they get to be here. And then also it's just cool to have uh, Jeremy Kimball and his wife Rachel here this weekend. Jeremy was speaking today. Uh, Jeremy taught my teaching and preaching classes uh, in seminary. And then he and his wife really just discipled me and Ariana in our time at Cedarville. So I just think that we're really indebted to them uh, for who we are as people, um, what we love, uh, what we're pursuing in ministry. So just cool to have them here as well. Okay, um, let me pray. And then we're going to be thinking about uh, just another really incredible gospel word this morning. So let me start us in prayer. Father, I just praise you um, for your word this morning. Uh, thank you that Christ gave himself for us. It's just amazing to think about. Um, God, when you think about your works uh, and the, the works we've defined or that we've studied in this class, uh, we've been intentional to call them the works that you've done because we're just studying and rejoicing in what you have done through Christ. And even though these are works you've done, they're works that are now applied to us. So as we've studied, you sent the propitiation, but we are now called forgiven. You are the adopter, but we can now be called sons and daughters. You are the one who justifies, but we can now be called righteous. And you are the redeemer. And we are now called purchased by you. So Father, just thank you that you've done these things. And thank you that these things show us what kind of God you really are. So just help us to love you more uh, because of today's time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to start with a scenario. I want you to imagine this scenario with me, okay? Hold on a second. Let me just find my place in the slides real quick. You guys are gonna see everything up front. I think they're all backwards. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, imagine a scenario with me. Okay, someone invites you over for dinner one night, okay? And you didn't really know it before, but upon driving up, you realize, whoa, these people are wealthy. So, you walk towards just this delightful spread in the living room, so they're guiding you towards the spread, and this just waft of air and smells comes towards you. You can just tell, like, oh, it's about to be a good dinner. 
okay? There's a spread, a spread of, you know, various cheeses and expensive fruits and nuts and things like that. Um, there's like this steak that's perfectly cooked. It's like sizzling. Right when you get in there, you can, be, you can just tell like this is about to be a good dinner. And then even the dessert, okay? Uh, even the dessert, it looks like something that comes from Great British Bake Off. Do you guys watch Great British Bake Off? I mean, it's just like, this comes out and you're like, I've never even seen this before, much less put it in my mouth, and I am pumped for this. So it's just a spread. You're like, oh my word, I didn't even know that um, these people were this wealthy, that they could offer this type of meal. Like, I thought this was just a, you know, a friendly, small dinner, but you walk in, you're like, oh, this is a feast. This is amazing. Okay, so you enjoy the meal, right? You share some laughs, share some good stories. You tell all your favorite party jokes, things like that. And then you just return home a couple, couple hours later. Okay, let me ask you something. Was this meal expensive or free? Just think about it for a second. This meal you're invited over for, pretty extravagant. Was the meal expensive or free? Any thoughts? Yeah. Yes, okay, free for you. So it's free for you, which means it was expensive for someone else, but free for you. So really, it's an unfair question. The answer is yes and no. Was it expensive or free? The answer is yes, right? The answer, of course, depends on whose perspective you're seeing it from. So for the one who prepared it, for the family who had you over, it was a really expensive dinner. But for you who enjoyed it, it was totally free, right? So we could really say the dinner was both costly and free depending on whether or not you were the giver or the receiver of it. Okay, let me ask you another question. And think about this before you answer. Is the gospel free? People are shaking their heads, yes. Okay, why do you say yes? Yes, right. We get it for free, but the cost is on Christ. That's exactly right. So again, the answer is actually yes and no. The gospel is free for us as receivers, but it was costly for God, the giver, right? So the gospel, it is the good news. Let's be clear. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners for free by his grace, apart from any works. But the gospel wasn't free for everyone. It costed the incalculable invaluable, unmeasurable worth of Jesus' life, didn't it? So we could say the gospel is free to us, but it wasn't free for God. And yet Jesus willingly endured the cross, didn't he? He laid down his life. We talked about that today. Christ gave himself for us in the gospel. And all this to make forgiveness actually free to us, even though it was costly to God. And really, what this is, is a, is a concept the Bible calls redemption. And so what we're talking about today, redemption. That's our gospel word we're going to think about today. And, um, you know, that might have been a, a, a great intro, but we haven't actually opened the Bible yet. So don't accept my assertions yet about whether or not uh, this is true of redemption. We want to actually open the Bible, and we're going to see if this is true. Okay, so we're actually going to look at three texts today um, that describe redemption. 
And we're going to, uh, kind of similar to what we've done as I've been teaching, we're going to break into three sections. So we're going to have this section here of chairs, this section here of chairs, and then this section to my left, you guys right. I want you to pair up with two or three people around you. Um, I want you to read these texts. So let's have Mark 10.45 over here. Let's have uh, Colossians 1.13 and 14, middle section. And then you guys on the right, let's have Ephesians 1.7. Those are the texts you're going to look at. So pair up with a couple people around you. Here are some uh, questions that you can use as a guide just to help you think through this. Help you think, how is the Bible defining redemption? Okay? We're going to take just a few minutes, work with a couple people around you, maybe look at the text, read it together, look at these questions, and then we're going to come back and see what observations we find, okay? So let's just take a couple minutes, and we'll come back. Okay, let's, uh, let's come back together here. Let's come back together, and let's, uh, let's share what we found in these texts, okay? So let's start with Mark 10. Can I just have someone from this section just read that for us so we all know what the text says there? Just volunteer to read that out loud for us. Good. Okay. Great. So what did you guys find in Mark 10, 45? What's the Bible telling us about redemption? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yes, good. So Christ has come down to serve us, to give his life. And that actually has implications for us too as his followers, yeah. Good. So there's giving language there, right? Okay, what else? What else do we see? Yeah, good. So the payment was his life. So what did Jesus come to give? He came to give himself. Yeah. Good. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned the word prison there. Why did you say, like, prison? Right, right. so ransom communicates this uh, prison language. If Christ gave himself as a ransom, it means whoever he gave his life for uh, like was in prison. Right, that's really good. So there's that prison language there. Um, the w- actual word redemption isn't there, uh, but the concept of us being slaves is. So. Good, okay, so let's go to Colossians 1, 13 through 14. Can we just have someone read that? in this section for us, and then just give us some of your observations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, good. Okay, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So what did you guys see there? What are some observations to help us think about redemption? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, so it's in Christ. Redemption happens in him. It's through his blood. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, there's kingdom language there. We're part of his kingdom. If redemption's true, it means we've not only been brought from somewhere, but to somewhere. Yeah. Yes, good. So there's a, it's implied that we need to be rescued. Yeah, and we couldn't do that ourselves. Someone else had to. Yeah, Thomas. Yes. So, yeah, it relates to how, it tells us how God delivered us. Redemption is talking about a deliverance that's happened from somewhere to somewhere, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's our sin. Our sin is what we need to rescue from. Yeah. It's not just anything. We weren't just rescued from you know, a bad attitude or something <laughs> or whatever else like we can think of. It's like sin. God rescued us from sin. Yeah. And that's why we were desperate. <laughs> we couldn't do it ourselves. Good. Okay. Let's go to um, Ephesians 1.7. Can someone read that for us and then just share some observations of what you guys saw? Yeah, thanks. Great. So what are some observations about redemption from that text? Some similar language to Colossians, but what else did you guys see? Yeah, so it's because of grace. You see the grace language there, right? Yeah, not only could we not help ourselves, if we got help, it wasn't because we deserved it, right? Yeah, good. Anything else there? Even just affirming what was, what was there in Colossians as well. You can say similar things. Yes. Yeah, it happened in him, free to us, cost to him, right? Isn't it interesting how so many of these gospel words we've looked at, like they all are true because of the cross. Like so many of them talk about like in him, because of his death, he sacrificed, he was our ransom. Like all these things, you see how central the cross is to the gospel, right? If we remove the cross, the gospel doesn't make sense. Christ had to die for these things to be true. This is great. So, well, let me, just, um, let me just show you some things that I saw as well, just to punctuate what you guys said. Um, and you can take notes on these if you'd like. I think Mark 10, it shows us that redemption is what Jesus came for, right? Like Jesus didn't leave heaven to be appreciated or pampered or promoted to some high status, right? Like Jesus came to die, to redeem. And then also like it shows us Jesus came to give, not to get. I think about how many religions teach that God wants us to pay him something. And yet what Jesus shows us in redemption is that God came to actually give us something. Um, like it shows us Jesus didn't come to earth with empty hands saying like, all right, what do you guys have for me? He came with full hands saying like, look what I've brought to you. I 
That's what redemption shows us. And then I think as well, redemption is Jesus' service to us. So we see this serving of Jesus, which is like incredible to think about when you think about that God served us. Like just think about this, that this week and that will blow your mind, change your life. Um, I was thinking about this too, even after the marriage conference this weekend, like let me ask you something. Do you like serving when it's costly to yourself? And the answer is like most of us would say like, nope. <laughs> I do not like serving when it's costly. Usually, personally, I like to serve when the results are better and easier for me, but Jesus likes to serve because it's better for everyone else, right? And then the last thing, Jesus, uh, or this text shows us that redemption is for many. It would actually be really generous for Jesus to only save a few people. But what this text shows is the abundance of God's grace. Jesus' blood was so valuable, it was able to purchase many people, to cover many sins. And God isn't stingy in his redeeming grace, right? It's beautiful. Okay, Colossians, here's some things I saw as well. Uh, Peyton, this is like what you said. Redemption is a kingdom transfer. So God brought us out of something. We were in a domain of darkness or a kingdom of, of darkness. But redemption means we're now part of God's kingdom. He's transferred us from kingdom to kingdom, right? It says that it's our deliverance. Redemption is God's deliverance of us from this kingdom, enslavement to sin and self and to his kingdom, serving Christ. And then also we see redemption is paired with forgiveness. Okay, I was thinking about this. I was kind of, I was really pressing myself to think like, why is redemption paired with forgiveness in this text? Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I was thinking about the Exodus because actually what we see in the Exodus is really just this like picture of God's redemption in the gospel as well. So think about this. In the book of Exodus, we see the Israelites, they're enslaved to Pharaoh, right? And all of his demands. But God promises to deliver them and actually he uses the language that he wants to redeem them. You can look at Exodus 6, verses 6 through 9, and then Exodus 15, 13. So before the Exodus and after the Exodus, it says both times that this is God's redemption of them from slavery to, to freedom. Okay, now let me ask you, what happened before the Israelites left Egypt? You can answer this. What happened before the Israelites left Egypt? What are some things that happened? Yeah, Passover. So I thought some people might say, you know, like plagues and stuff like that, which is true. That's true. But what happened, that happened a little bit before something else. What happened right before the Exodus was Passover. Okay? And this is what happened in the Passover. In the Passover, God graciously saved the Israelites who covered their doorposts with blood from this sacrificial lamb, right? So their sins, those who covered their doorposts with blood, their sins were overlooked that night. We could say they were forgiven, okay? And those who didn't cover their doorposts, like the Egyptians, their sins were punished. So in other words, the lamb died for their sin so that they didn't have to. This is how forgiveness happens. So that happens in the Passover, and then a couple chapters later, God redeems them. He brings them out of slavery into freedom. So, do you see the pairing? Forgiveness of sins happens through the lamb and redemption of slavery happens through the water, if you will. 
from, from slavery to freedom. And this is exactly what happens in the gospel. God fully and finally forgives our sins by Christ's blood, but he also redeems us. He leads us away from slavery and into to life with him. So I think that pairing is, is really sweet to see uh, for what God's doing in the gospel. Like he's not just forgiving our sins and just leaving us behind. He's also not just leading us out of something and into something, but not changing us before him, right? He's doing both. Okay, so uh, Ephesians 1.7, some quick observations here. Redemption is secured through blood. You see, it's just so clear there. Jesus had to die for us. And uh, the price of our redemption, it was so insurmountable that only God could pay it, right? That's what we see. And then I think we also see here that redemption was purchased because God is rich in grace. We talked about that. Um, You guys saw that as well. I think that's so important. Like, we sang a song today, uh, um, His Mercy is More. His Mercy is More, right? Not just great, it's actually more. More than what? More than our, our sin. So, Redemption happens because God is richer in grace than we are in sin. (laughs) As rich as we are in that, you know? Like the debt of sin we built up is no match for the riches God has in himself. And so God was able to purchase us because our debt wasn't too big for him. Like he he had more. He was richer in grace than we were in sin. Okay, so those are some observations we see. So after all of that, I think here is... Just a simple uh, biblical definition of redemption. And uh, this is your, your first blank there. Redemption is the work of God to purchase us back to himself from slavery to sin at the cost of Jesus' life. It's the work of God to purchase us back to himself from slavery to sin at the cost of Jesus' life. Okay, so that's our biblical definition of redemption. But remember, in this study, we don't just want to stop at biblical definitions. We also want to move to biblical implications because God doesn't just want his people to know the gospel, but to actually live it. So that's what we're trying to do here. Okay, so really, if this definition of redemption is true, then how should we live? I want you to take uh, just a couple more minutes in your groups and think through that. We're going to ask these questions like, what should redemption produce in us? What, should, what kind of heart work, what kind of heart response should this cause, if this is true? And then also, what should redemption cause us to do? Like, how should we live? How should we relate? How should we love one another? Okay, so um, here are some texts on the screen that I want you to look at. You can kind of just choose which one you want to read with a couple people around you. But read these texts. These texts are really getting at the implications of redemption. So read them. Ask what the Bible is calling us to, to think or to feel or to do in light of redemption. And then we'll come back, share some of those observations, and then we'll, we'll close our time. Okay, let's come back together. Let's just share, just real brief, just a phrase, a sentence. If redemption is true, what should it cause us to do? And, uh, and how should it cause us to live? What should it produce in us? Just real quick popcorn, just say them out loud. What's that? Yeah, thankful heart. Glorify God, good. Yeah, humility.
Good works, yes. Obedience. Fear God, yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah, we're not slaves to the works. Yeah. Submission. Good. Yeah, we consecrate our bodies to God. It's his. He bought us. Yeah. Yeah, Holy Spirit power. Yeah, we don't live for ourselves or even by ourselves anymore. <laughs> yes, zealous to serve in love. Yeah, we conduct ourselves with fear. Yeah, we don't want to return back. Like, we should be fearful of what we left. We want to live righteously, yeah. Hope. Yes. We're still in exile. We haven't been brought to that homeland yet. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. Let me just show you guys a couple things that I saw as well. A desire to never return to slavery. Um, you know, we don't have a return date <laughs> when God purchased us. He didn't keep the receipt so we could go back when things get hard, you know. Um, he redeemed us so we can be free forever. So don't try to return yourself to sender, <laughs> you know. Um, and then, yeah, a hope for the end. This one wasn't a text I had you guys look at, but Revelation 5, by Christ's bloody ransom people for God. Um, if you're redeemed, you should have hope. God has purchased you, you're his, all the way into eternity. So a desire never to return to slavery, slavery, a hope for the end. And then what should redemption cause us to do? And we should use our bodies for God. Um, if we're redeemed, it means he owns us. He calls the shots. He gives the directions. He puts us to use. And also one of the, the ways we know we've forgotten that we're ransomed is when we submit our bodies to someone or something else other than God. And then we should live like somewhere else is home, shouldn't we? We were ransomed from sin spiritually, but we're not yet ransomed from this present evil world. Um, it's like God has taken us out, but he hasn't yet taken us in. <laughs> Um, so we should fear returning to slavery and we should fear living like this earth is home, you know. Just a couple closing thoughts. Here's what redemption means. It means God is wealthier than we ever thought, but it also means he's more generous than we ever imagined, doesn't it? It means he has invited us into his house. He's prepared a feast of blessings, spiritual blessings to share with us and all of it for free to us and at great cost to him. This is uh, the mystery of the gospel, isn't it? These are things that are just so hard to believe that God would do. And we have seen this mystery today. Man, I just, I just pray that God would just keep changing us because of these things, because of these gospel words. Let's us sing this song that talks about our redemption. Come behold the wondrous mystery Christ the Lord upon the tree In the stead of ruined sinners Hangs the Lamb in victory See the price of our redemption See the Father's plan unfold Bringing many sons to glory Grace unmeasured, love untold.
Father, thank you that you sent Christ to be the ransom for us, that you purchased us for yourself. God, help us to glorify you in our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen.